everybody. You're listening to the 43rd episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball drinks, mochi, and everything else under the sun. I'm DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we tan under the Florida sun with the Philly fanatic, dodge bullets like Neo in Washington, D.C., ask if the Olympics is still a thing, and sneakers help us speak Italiano. So, of course, we want to begin this episode like we do all of our episodes by discussing and whatever little stories we have behind the drinks that we are consuming this evening. So, for me, I'm taking it back to an old favorite, my Buffalo Trace, Kentucky bourbon. Um, Not really in a heavy, heavy drinking mood, but more in a chill state of mind. And being that it would be kind of wrong to have a podcast without really drinking something substantive, whether it be, say, a nice drink or tea or a, or a coffee, having a spot of whiskey would do the trick this, this evening. So that's what I'm sipping on today. And I want to see how Dorian's doing. So how are you today, Dorian? And what is it that you're drinking? I like that you always go back to a tried and true favorite, a classy drink for a classy man, the Buffalo Trace Kentucky Bourbon. Oh, yeah. And as usual, we, we love keeping Americans in work, especially when, as we're drinking, which is a double win. So in my hand, I have a 32-ounce uh, crowler. It's called Scotch Ale from Big Storm Brewing Company in Clearwater, Florida. And as usual, I'm going to have a drink right now. It's very good. I actually was going to get the Belgian. They had like two different types of Belgians. Mm, but I was going to switch it up. I'm going to get the Scotch Ale. It has a little bit of kick to it, a little little malty to it, malty taste. And I want to give you, I want to talk a little bit about spring training in the Sunshine State here in Clearwater, Florida. Did you know that our friend, the Philly Fanatic, before he was born, wherever the world that crazy mascot came from, the Phillies have been doing spring spring training in Clearwater since 1947 when... Harry, Harry Truman was in office. And segregation was still long, you know, the law of the land. Was that before or after he integrated uh, the military? Um, that would probably have been right around that time. But still, you still had uh, Jim Crow laws that were still. Oh, yeah, in place. of course. Yeah. <sighs> or as who's the director of uh, George Lucas, you know, or as George Lucas calls it, Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Oh. George Lucas. You don't remember? The, the TV show Happy Days was made in the 70s, yeah. but it was set in the in like the in throughout 50s. the 50s, the, the Eisenhower 50s. But mm-hmm. you know, for certain people, it was Sunday, Monday, happy days. Oh, yeah. Anyways, it was it. Yeah. Damn shit. Anyways, we're gonna go, we're gonna go a little bit. We're going to go back from those unhappy days of 1947. The Phillies have been there, like I said, since 1947, and they've been playing at Spectrum Field since 2004. And right now at that that Spectrum Field, the Phillies high A affiliate, the Clearwater Threshers, played there. About three years ago, I saw their stud young pitcher by the name of Sixto Sanchez. He's now in the Marlins. And he actually had a, he hurt, he he tore his UCL, so he's out for the year, but he's awesome. He was then playing, he was then in the Phillies organization, but then the Phillies packaged him to trade for the Marlins catcher, JT Ramuto. Ramuto. So right now, Ramuto is with the the Phillies, and Sixto Sanchez 
is with the uh, the Marlins. And that game, the Threshers were playing the Florida Fire Dogs, which back then were the, the Florida Fire Dogs were, were part of the Atlanta Braves organization. And Cixo Sanchez was like head and shoulders above like any pitcher that that went last night. You just saw him be like, this kid's good. And I am not a scout, but what about you, DiCarlo? Have you ever seen, um, you know, what's your, I don't know if you've gone to spring trainings or like what's a what's a cool player that you've seen if, if you've gone to a minor league game? Um, I, I've been to a minor league. I've actually only been to one minor league game, and this was years ago when I was a kid. I went to see uh, the Bowie Bay Sox, which were Baltimore Orioles affiliate. And uh, this player at the time, what was it? Was it Clarence? Or, yeah, it was Clarence Pickering. And I thought he would have probably, like, he smacked, like, two home runs. was, like, built in the same uh, – like Ilka Mo Vaughn and uh, David Ortiz, that big style burly first baseman. But he never, like, I mean, he did make it up to the majors for a few games with the Orioles, but he never made a, uh, like, a big uh, stay. But that was, like, the one player I remember when I was at that game who was killing it that day, though. Who knows, who knows what he's doing now? Maybe maybe he's the one that surfed me, this uh, big storm brewing Scotch Ale. Maybe it was his alter ego, uh, William McDonald, McDougal, McDougal, <laughs> William McDougal, William McDougal, popularly known as Groundskeeper Willie. So maybe they were one and the same, and now he's uh, keeping the grounds over at the Simpsons while I drink my Scotch Ale. None of that stuff, none of that made sense. I couldn't tie it together, people. I'm sorry. But that's what happens when we drink. And so, listener, you know we love to know that you're having a good time. We love that you listen to the podcast. Send us a picture of what you're drinking this summer that makes you forget things. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. Then use the hashtag HBPDrink or use the hashtag GroundskeeperWilly. Can you do a good Scottish accent? I, I, I really wanted to do a good Scottish, Scottish accent, but no. I know better. Huh? No, no. I'm not sure, but it's very difficult to try to have some of those sometimes because you really want to be able to do it with some sort of authenticity. I think that's an Irish accent. I know it's kind of more. I don't know. See exactly. It's like there's a like a subtle like depth to it because I think what people like whenever I hear people try to mimic like with like any Celtic accent, they automatically do like a high pitch like uh, oh hey Latchy type thing, and it's like no, like they don't sound like that. There's more of a drop to the voices, but. I see where there is a, a higher pitch in the treble aspect because of, I don't know, but the animation to, to the person, to the persona as to how we've been, uh, you know, propagated it over time. I don't know, but yeah. Maybe, but groundskeeper Willie and I, we probably, we probably were watching the same baseball games this past weekend because two of my favorite players, well, not want to say favorite players, but two players that are so exciting in baseball are obviously Fernando Tatis Jr., the stud shortstop for the San Diego Padres, and Juan Soto, the left fielder for the Washington Nationals. And they're both people, you're, you're, not, you're never going to guess where Tatis Jr. and Soto are from. Drum roll, the Dominican Republic. <laughs> this past weekend, the Padres went to Washington to play a three-game series and the first game on the 16th of July, it was like a it was like watching a football game. It was like watching the San Diego Chargers against the Washington football team. 
and who knows what the Washington football team was going to change their name to. The Padres won 24 to 8. 24 runs to 8. It's That's ridiculous. And a couple of things that stood out for me was Soto, again, he was awesome in this game. He had four hits. He hit two home runs. What I loved what uh, Tatis Jr. was at the bottom of the first inning, he grabbed a liner in shallow center field. He spun around and from his knees threw out the runner at first base. It's every game he does something like super athletic. Like Soto is not, he's, he's, He's Soto's a better batter, but he's not as as athletic as Tatis Jr. It's just amazing to watch this guy play. And if you think of a team scoring 24 runs, crazy things are going to happen. Uh, Jay Cronenworth, the what is he, the, the second baseman or the right fielder? I forget right now. I think thanks as thanks to groundskeeper Willie Scott Jail from Big Star Brewery, Jay Cronenworth hit for the cycle by the sixth inning. People, baseball game is nine innings. That's that's crazy. That's like barely half the game, and he hit for a, a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. And that's a Freaking. hard thing to do, too. Yeah, so usually when you hear of someone hitting a, a, for the cycle, it's like they manage for somehow to come up on the ninth, in the ninth inning to get that double they needed, to get that oh, single. That triple, it's like yeah. – but this guy's like, no, like, we've played two-thirds of the game. I'm done. You know, it's funny. <laughs> like, if you – I think like, I, I almost hit for the cycle once when I played baseball back in the day. and With uh, Clyde McDougal, the, the guy you saw no. for the you, – you, were you on that Bowie Bay Sox team? No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, and so, like, I remember the first, like, hit I got was a triple. So I was like, okay, a triple. And then the second one was a home run. So I was like, oh, okay. This is easy. No, but you start to, like, <laughs> then think, like, all right, what should I try to get with? The hardest thing to do was get the single. I had two doubles instead. So I missed the cycle by a single. I was like, what the hell? Like, of all things. But it's true. Like, I just, but it's interesting when you do have that opportunity, kind of thinking, like, all right, like the hardest one, of course, to get is a triple. A triple is mm-hmm. the hardest, like, like, hit to get. But once you get that, it's kind of like, okay, maybe I could do this. I think that would, like, that goes through the minds of most hitters after, like, getting a triple. It's like, okay, maybe I could do the cycle if I get, like, up four times and I'm really feeling like the heat one day. Yeah. Pretty dope to get it in six innings, though. That's for sure. It, that's insane. Like, again, I am not some walking encyclopedia. I love baseball, but I am not a walking encyclopedia. But I've never heard of someone hitting the cycle, hitting for the cycle that early. But back to Juan Soto, even though Soto had four hits in this game, he didn't hit for the cycle because he hit two home runs. Oh, I'm sure he felt so bad about it. Well, I'm sure he felt bad that they lost 24 to 8. But his second home run, he hit it to the second deck of Nationals Park. It was, it was a bomb. It was, it was incredible. And the very next night, the Padres won again. The San Diego Chargers, a football team, they scored a touchdown and a field goal. The Padres won ten to four. So Washington had uh, what in football terms two safeties. So what I love again that these juniors showing off his athleticism and again MLB such a does such a bad job of marketing like the very best players some of these players they're all young they're all really athletic and they're they're like they're uh the camera loves them for lack of a better word you know they either have uh dyed hair they're good looking they 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 have style yeah. but you know baseball being run by Rob Manford, who doesn't love baseball. But anyways, this is not about Rob Manford. This is about Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto. 
Here's what stood out for me. Tatis Jr., he was on third base, and the ball, and uh, I forget what, what the Padres batter, he bopped he he it. He hit it to shallow left field, and Tatis Jr. scored. He scored on a shallow fly out. It was the guy's speed is out of this world. And then later in the game, in the bottom of the fifth inning, another awesome play through defense. He threw, he threw out the, the, the runner at first base, the, the hitter at first base. And then he goes, he just blows his six shooter like an old, like an old school cowboy. He twirls his six shooter and he puts it in his holster. Even oh, though they wait. were shooting outside. <laughs> no, he didn't. Well, he, you're, you're, my friend, you're, pull, you're pulling the cat out of the back too early. Uh, so that, so that these junior six shooter happened at the bottom of the fifth inning. He's having fun. The Padres are winning. It's a good game. These are two of the best players in baseball. But the very next inning, an actual shooting happens right outside of Nationals Park. And it was uh, two vehicles exchanged gunfire. Four people, I think three people were injured. Four people were hit. Three people were injured. The game was suspended. It was resumed the next, the game was resumed the next day. Uh, you know, at the, I think it was the top of the six or some, somewhere in the six inning. So it's very scary. Like I, I was wondering, I was thinking, I was trying to think to Carlo of, have you, have I ever been, have you ever been at a sporting event where things go bad, like, out of the blue and i know i've never been part of a sporting event where there's six shooters or they don't do six shooters anymore or whatever Glocks. Some people do <laughs> have you ever been to a sporting event where it goes wrong real quick I'm no trying to... i haven't thankfully i've been to events that have gone wrong well, yeah, that, that's something else. Yeah, you can't yeah, say I've been to no, concerts yeah. or clubs. Like, that stuff happens. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm thankfully not a sporting event. I mean, that's always, that's Fights. now it's sad. It's sad nowadays that you have to consider that as a possibility because people are just. Oh, DeGarlo, I'll, I'll tell you this. It just popped into my mind. It was, I wasn't in a fight, but I went with one of my friends to a Miami Heat game. This was back in, let's say, circa 2007. 2007, 2008, they had just, they're like a year or two away from the NBA, from the championship that they had back in 06. So the team was very average. And the New York Knicks were in town in Miami playing them. And of course, no offense to Carlo, but the New York fans in Miami are super obnoxious because New Yorkers who live in Miami will never stop reminding you that they're from New York yeah. <laughs> and how much New York is better than Miami. But those sons of guns never, ever move back. No. <laughs> because they would never want to move back to, they're like, no. we love Miami, the food, the culture, the women, the boys. Why would I go back to New York? No, <laughs> but everything in New York is better, by the way. Everything in New York is better, but they don't move back there. No, it's it's the nostalgia. It's, uh, it's living in that golden age of remembering what life once was, but happy as hell that you're never there. It's just, it, you're glad to be able to walk away to still carry that moniker and have that persona. I mean, you'll find that in any New Yorker anywhere. You'll see, you know, a New Yorker in, say, like Vermont, walking around with still the speed like they're walking in the streets of Manhattan. So some things become innate within you. But of course, once you're out of there and you you find success and happiness, you're not you're never going back. What the hell is it? It's such a yeah. Yeah, I know. So so going back to my thing about things, sporting events going wrong. This is not it's not wrong. It was just an incident that happened. So the Knicks 
the Knicks were beating the, the Heat pretty badly. And my friend was like, oh, let's go, let's go. I'm like, you know what? No, like, let's stay through the end, you know, like, whatever. And so we stayed till the very end. The Knicks beat the Heat by, I don't know, 10, 15 points. So a super Miami Heat fan got pissed off, got upset that some crazy New York fan kept saying, uh, uh, what was he? What was he? He was saying, oh, oh, this was when Stephon Marbury was with the New York Knicks. Oh, this okay. I remember because he kept out yelling, Starbury, Starbury, the whole for it was really annoying. Mm, and he was with his ugly blue and orange jersey. He's kind of big. You, you know exactly the type of guy I'm talking about. Yeah, the Goomba New York dude, probably from Bensonhurst, who lives down in Miami. So, no, no, he was not. He was not. He was uh, a, a, a fellow from, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a black man. Oh, so, so they're from, like, the right, Ben who, who knows where he's from? The, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Okay, I'm drunk. Thank you, uh, William McDougall. McDougall. <laughs> William McDougall. Groundskeeper Willie. This is, going, this is going on too long. The point of the story is the Miami Heat fan throws his unfinished drink and it hits us on the way down to the obnoxious Starberry New York Knicks fan. And then my friend turns to me and said, I told you we should have left earlier. <laughs> Yep. But that was it. It was it. We just got crappy pina colada all over. <laughs> so yeah, I would have probably slapped that guy. No, no, homeboy. The Miami Heat fan threw it, and he and he just dashed off. Oh, so no, he wasn't like you know. He was like a, a fake, a fake Bravo, you know, fake, oh. uh, fake tough guy. Anyway, so obviously we didn't get shot. Unfortunately, like I said. On the 18th, on the on the night of 17th of July, the Padres won 10 to 4, but the game was suspended after the sixth because of the, the shooting. Uh Tatis Jr. obviously didn't know. But the but the really, really humane, heartwarming thing about that, uh, if there's any good thing that comes out of a public shooting, is the both the teams, the national and the Padres, they both opened their dugouts to fans to come inside. Because actually that was the safest place for fans to be because it's stupid national stadium security was 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 were telling fans to go to the exit that led directly to the shooting and then they never um they never apologized for it they let the, the nationals later sent out a statement saying quote you handled yourselves in a very admirable manner you stayed calm you helped one another end quote the nationals sure as heck didn't help anybody by by telling some of these fans to go out to whatever the exit is there on the third on the I think it's on the first base side in Nationals uh, Park, anyways whatever. So the game was resumed the next day. Uh, the Padres won ten four, and then after that uh, on the Sunday, the eighteenth of July, the Nationals finally won eight seven. Soto hit a home run. Uh, the and the Nationals went eight to seven because at the top of the ninth inning, the Padres had the bases loaded. Two outs, and your three hundred million dollar man is at at the plate. Manny Machado, also from the Dominican Republic, he struck out, and he struck out looking to Carlo. He didn't even swing, so obviously you know he was upset. But overall, people, if the San Diego Padres are in your town, go buy tickets to see Manny Machado, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Jake Cronworth. 
If the Washington Nationals are in town, go buy tickets to see Juan Soto. He is the greatest hitter right now. No joke. No joke. He is the best hitter. And being the best is what athletes want to do. Being the best is what baseball players are able to do every single day because baseball season is 7,000 days long and they play 758 games a season. But some athletes can only be good and show off how good they are every four years. Yeah, but it seems as though like the sports competition that does that every four years, the Olympics or, well, by well, every two years if you put in the winter and summer. But it just seems as though like it doesn't really, it doesn't resonate as much as it used to. I don't know. I, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Because as I've kind of noticed how, how the media um, portrays the, the Olympics currently, mostly all you're hearing about, of course, is COVID t- cases. And I think we also have to take into consideration this is also being played a year after it was initially supposed to be, initially supposed to take place, but even still, it's Just not like the same height. Yes, there's not no same. There's no hype, at least that I'm that I'm usually used to. Like I don't know. I rem, I remember back, like say, like the 1992 Olympics or the Olympics in Atlanta, oh, yeah. and like there was so much hype. And maybe a lot of that had to do with still like the end of uh, the Cold War and you know all the other political movements. Because I find like the Olympics, out of any other like sporting event, does really have always has like an international and political like international relations and political undertones governing the success or failure of it and it's kind of like i don't know when the world like there really isn't that antagonistic battle between say like countries that are really bringing out that competitive nature that would translate towards like athletic competition currently because everybody the you know the last almost two years have been dealing with the pandemic and that's been the one thing and then it's like now and then also thinking about the athletes who are participating in it i think the most most notable person I could think of is Simone Biles from the U.S. gymnastics, like Olympic gymnastics team. And, um, well, I mean, if you saw I'm joking. But no, like, seriously, like, I mean, other than that, like, I don't – there's no, like, headline-grabbing athlete who's walking into these Olympic games that's captivating the attention of the nation. Like, there's right. no Ryan Phelps. There's no there's, – Michael, Michael. Michael. You, that, I, I, I mix up Ryan it's and people, it's the Kentucky bourbon. It's the Kentucky bourbon speaking. So yeah. No, I just mixed up two swimmers. So Ryan. Yes. Michael that's there. your. That's your. That's your Baltimore boy. Baltimore boy. That's messed up. That you, you don't always care. have a weird way of making it sound so corny. Like all the time, man. Uh, <laughs> At the point. <laughs> but yeah, so oh, it just there's no me, um Michael Johnson. Yeah. There's, there's no uh, Usain Bolt. Yeah. No. There's no Simone Simone uh, Biles. No, she's Bielis. still there. There's Simone Biles okay. is competing, but there's no body challenging her. Like she's just dominating ladies gymnastics. Mm. It's ridiculous. And even still, it's like every single moment. Like even up until this week, like the opening ceremonies are supposed to take place on Friday, and you have high level IOC officials talking about how the games could potentially be um, canceled. But I also find it really interesting considering that they're. There's no spectators, and the rationale they're saying is because, you know, you have players and athletes coming from all over the world, which, okay, it makes sense. But then they also have spectators in the games for the Tokyo, like in the Japanese Baseball League. They still have spectators Mm -hmm. there. And also the science kind of backs up the fact that outdoor events is not as bad. And if you have, 
you know, restrictions on vaccinated people. I don't know what the situation is in Japan in terms of vaccination, but it's very not bad. Even, it's actually very bad. It's really bad. So, yeah. so it's not, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It just seems as though like going through it, it's not that interesting. I don't find anybody talking about it. I don't really think I'm going to watch it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this is really going to be so much of a thing moving forward because and, and just to kind of like wrap it up, it's just there's also a lot of other sporting events out there that people are paying attention to. And um, like the like the Padres in the Nationals baseball series. No, uh, maybe. Or the NBA finals that just you know currently that just recently ended. Shout out to mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks for being the champions. Um but still, yeah, I don't know. This is something I was thinking about. You, you my friend, you hit it on the you, you hit the nail that it's there's I didn't even I am not. I am not going to watch any Olympics because it, I'm not interested this time. I think about just like you. You think about. I think about 90, the '92 Olympics when somebody I don't know who it was it uh, did the bow and arrow thing and yeah, in the opening ceremony. The torch, yeah, the torch and lit the torch from the Olympic Stadium, whatever in Barcelona. That was dope. I think. I yeah, it was. I think. I, I think I, I know I remember, and I think it was in the 2000 Greece Olympics about oh, the 2004. Production. Oh, okay. 2004. 2000 was Sydney, yeah. Okay, so the 2004 Olympics in Greece, where they had that beautiful production of like, it was just gorgeous. And you think about the 2012 London Olympics, uh, the British athletes winning like the most golds they've won since like 1948, because obviously it was their home soil. And the Queen and, and Daniel Craig as James Bond were part of the, the opening ceremonies. Uh, it was it was really entertaining. And again, then it also like, look, is can Usain Bolt win a gazillion medals? And then it was in, I forget what year it was, can Michael Phelps break the record for most gold medals ever in the history of mankind? Yeah, it was the 2000. And that last, and it came to well, no, I think he. Or it no, might have been no, no, 2008. No. Michael Phelps competed in in China. He competed in China, my friend, in 2012 in the oh, Beijing yeah. Olympics oh, in 2012. So that might have been. I think that's, yes, that's what's his last ones. Yeah, it was the one, and um, then it came out. I was going to say, I remember it was because it was two separate things. It was one Olympics where Michael Phelps was trying to break Mark Spitz's, Spitz's record for most uh, wins in an Olympics. And then in Beijing, that was when he was going for the most medals ever for any, like, male Olympic uh, competitor or something like that. Because he, he broke a bunch of, like, records when it came to it. He broke – I mean, the guy, the guy broke all the records. Yeah. Uh, he won 23 golds, for God's sake. So, mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't remember the last – Whatever the point is, the guys, the guys a stud, the guys a the guys stud. Forget about the guys at the legend. So yeah, so there's and then it came out on his last his last race, which I think was the four by one hundred with the relay race, or that's track and field, but whatever the four by one hundred, four four by two hundred. That and when Michael Phelps was was he was running the anchor because you always have your best and fastest person run the anchor, whether it's track and field or in swimming. And his apparently his goggles went above, below his eyes, and water was getting in his eyes. But homeboy, this is what this is the minuscule things that separates the great from the good. He had trained. He literally had trained. If his if he didn't have goggles on, how he would know the amount of strokes it would get. He would need to finish. It. it 
we, I mean, I get chills thinking about that because that's how dedicated these elite 0.01% athletes are. But anyways, those people don't, we are comparing these people that we may not know to these legends. Who knows, who knows what's going to happen. But at the same time, my friend, I'm going to admit, I'm not going to watch it just like, just like you, I'm really not going to watch it. But I did hear the women's, the U.S. women's soccer team lost against Sweden, and they didn't look good, mm-hmm. which everyone was surprised and disappointed. So we hope the women's U.S. national team turns it around to bring home yet another gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we would be in trouble. The Carlo and I would be in trouble if, and that's a big if, NBC was the sponsor of this podcast. Thankfully they're not because NBC obviously signed like a hundred year contract with the Olympics to showcase it. Mm-hmm. What we are loyal is our weekly sponsors. Yes, and this week's sponsor is Steve's Wakeboard. So speaking of all the aquatic water sports that we were discussing, and being that it is the summer months and people are finally out there, the weather is warm, the beaches are open, the girls are just having fun, enjoying the sunshine, and the boys are out there, hopefully not being too creepy while they're admiring them. But while you were out on the beach, apart from the time where everybody is admiring one another, you should be having fun on the water. So Steve's is there to help you with your wakeboards, boogie boards, surfboards, snorkel gear, and any other aquatic water sports gear that you find necessary on your tri- on your vacations this summer. So remember, whenever you need to jump in the water and find that air, Steve is there to provide you with those boards to take you anywhere. Everyone's trying to look as good. Thank you to Carlo, and we want to thank our sponsor this week. Not, not NBC. Who cares about them? Everyone wants a good. Everyone wants to look good this summer. Everyone wants to look good at the beach this summer. But everyone wants to look good all the time, my friend. And this leads us to our latest, our latest installment of styling and profiling with Rick Flair. Can I get a woo? Woo! Thank you. I set you up perfectly, my friend. It's like an alley-oop. Nah, you should have you messed up with the, I'm styling, profiling, I got the watches, the gator shoes, the (laughs) private jets, the limousines, and the girls on the, woo-hoo-hoo! Yes. (laughs) So, spending that time with the nature boy. Woo! Had to throw it in there. Shout out to Rick Flair. Shout out to Ric Flair. So shout out to you for for the for uh, slamming home that alley oop I threw up to you. Speaking of alley oops, speaking of basketball, the newly and DeCarlo said this earlier in the show, the newly crowned National Basketball Association champions of basketball. Why did I say that again? William McDougal. God dang it, William McDougal. Groundskeeper Willie with his Scotch ale got me banged up, but thankfully we see the finish line. So the NBA champions, Milwaukee Bucks, have a player by the name of P.J. Tucker who's going to get fitted for a big, fat championship ring. P.J. Tucker, is in, he collaborated with another Italian. Like we said, you have to go to Miami to learn how to speak Italian. Dolce e Gabbana. Dolce Gabbana. P.J. Tucker and Dolce Gabbana, they've come out with the new sneakers. 
And P.J. Tucker is known as the sneaker king in, in, in the NBA because it's, it, it, it's not because of his extensive collection, but the way he apparently curates it. Curates. Goodness. And we actually, DiCarlo and I talked about sneakers and, you know, how sneaker heads, this and the other, probably like five or six episodes, five or six episodes ago. So anyways, P.J. Tucker's new sneakers with Dolce Gabbana is called Miami. That's all it's called. And it's retailing to Carlo for the low, low price of 795 American dollars. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually quite cheap it's considering. Cheap. A, considering some sneaker designs, like say the hunt, like the Red October Yeezys, the, the, the drop he did for Nike, which goes for like 20 something thousand dollars. So, yeah. I mean, and it also depends. the fudge to go to $20,000 for sneakers, that's. Yeah. Because they, they, they market them as high, like as human art. And, yeah. you know, there's a market. There's always an idiot who's willing to pay for it, sadly. Just to be able to say they got them on top and then they only have a few, you know, only what, a limited amount of... Uh, yeah, limited editions. Yeah, so the same will be with these. They'll have about, they'll probably do X amount of drops and also to continue to build up the price for them and the, and the demand for them. And then down years down the road, they'll be retailing in the thousands of dollars as well yeah retailing for 12 dollars and i'm joking no i'm not having people i was a super was a silly joke i'm not hating on Dolce Gabbana or pj tucker so these, these miami shoes again they retail for seven seven hundred eighty five dollars and they come out in two versions um they come out in sis in bold sicilian orange and neutral beige I prefer I prefer because I like color. I prefer the uh, the Sicilian orange, the nat- the neutral so. beige. I'm like, it looks like it's plain. It doesn't. It just it, it, perfect word. It looks plain. I'm like, who the hell would pay eight hundred dollars for that nonsense? A lot of idiots. So, well, yeah. But the orange ones are nicer. I would not pay eight hundred dollars for it, but they they are nicer. And BJ Tucker. And the thing is, I tried to look at how in the world did Dolce Gabbana get teamed up to get hooked up with PJ Tucker. Like, let's be honest, Dolce Gabbana are two gay gentlemen who are Italian. I don't think they were watching a lot of NBA basketball, even though basketball is big in Italy. I highly doubt they have no idea who the hell, who, who PJ Tucker is, let's be honest. This is not LeBron James. This is not Stefan Marbury. No, they're market anyway. people. They'll, their people definitely do because, for one, yeah, you have to remember the NBA is more connected into the culture of their um, viewers than most other sports leagues out there. Oh, without, without, and, without and, a doubt. And when you have people like a PJ Tucker who wears your stuff out there and gets notoriety or then no. drop it on social media, you, you know. Championship. Yeah, you know. Please, the world is too small. Every business knows who's rocking their stuff, especially if they are out there promoting it and then they can find a deal for it. They don't need to be personal fans. Exactly. Like I don't think Dolce and Gabbana personally are walking around and know who knew who PJ Tucker was before, you know, one of their, one of their executives came in off of a tip from some kid in the mailroom who was like, Oh, you know what I mean? So the, the, the uh, Gabbana was, was running around with the hats. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've seen these, these hats that Carlo called uh, they, on the front of it. It says, um, Fear the deer. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that. It's yeah, really big in the mid, in the upper Midwest. Fear the. Yeah, I don't think Abana's running around. And anyways, whatever. We're, we're not. We're, we're just we're just teasing here. So apparently, PJ Tucker came out. These came out 
in the playoffs because the, the Bucks played the Miami Heat, you know, that that one game back like 13 years ago, I got like a pina colada. Part of it splashed on me and my and my friend. He told, he said, PJ Tucker said, quote, I literally wore them in Miami. I told Dolce, I need them right now for this series because we're playing Miami in the first round, end quote. So obviously the, the sneakers are named Miami and it just so happened that Milwaukee ended up uh, beating Miami in the first round and they beat and they beat us down. They, they made us, I think they swapped us, which is sad. But anyways, uh, he's all about the vibe. He, he's in, uh, PJ Tucker was inspired by sneakers from the 90s. He loves Miami, the this side and the other. And this I still don't get that. Not only are these are Dolce Gabbana and PJ Tucker selling these sneakers, they're also selling the NFT, the non-fungible uh, token. tokens. Yeah. It's like, Carlo, maybe I'm way out of the loop. Why in the world would I want a, a non-fungible token? Basically, like a the way I see it is like a screensaver from like mm -hmm. 2005. It's just because it's supposed to be another oh, way of being able to uh, claim an original out of the production. You know, it's almost in the same vein that collectors of, say, like stamps or certain things that have um, like an, a certificate of authenticity type of thing. Now, like with digitization, people have the ability to duplicate and copy so much that they'll have to have another form of authentic, like authentic, yeah, be able to identify its authenticity um via the blockchain so you know it's just another way of people trying to be able to monetize some of their creations exactly i was about to say that another way to make money <laughs> so by the way this is an equal opportunity podcast and pj tucker and Dolce gabbana are also equal opportunity money because money is green if you're in the u.s or if you're in, your, you're in europe it's uh dark blue it's whatever. I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is, money is money, and the Miami sneakers are are out for both men and women. So any of you sneakerheads are out there. There are men who are sneakerheads a lot more, but there are also women who love sneakers. Lastly, PJ Tucker, like I said earlier, he is seen as like the king, the sneaker king in the NBA, and he says that the most important design element in this sneaker is, quote, the silhouette, the materials, colors, and of course, the vibe, man, end quote. I ended up, the man, I, I added the man there for reason, for no reason. So, DeGarlo, are you gonna run out and get some Miami sneakers? No. Cause you, cause you'll be afraid some crazy New York Knicks Miami Heat fight will happen and Pina Colada will get spilled all over it. No, I'm just not spending $800 on a pair of sneakers. Just some things you just, uh, you know, it's just like some things, you know, as, as an adult, like uh, you just will not do. It's like, I won't, you know, like I won't be, get in a mosh pit. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to go to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like things you would have did like in your 20s. Right. You're like no longer going to do anymore because it just doesn't make sense anymore. It just doesn't really fit your mindset. It's kind of how I feel about spending $800 on a pair of sneakers that, you know, are going right, to degrade well. and are not going to provide me any type of, I don't know, value. And, and for one, no offense to PJ Tucker, but it's not like they're, you know, exclusive. Yeah, he's not. Jordans. They're, they're, 
then I can be broke for a month. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they're gonna sell out of the Miami City or so where we. Uh, and I mean, they kind of look like I was just looking at them. You know, the ones that they put out on the Dolce and Gabbana site look like like plastic shoes, but that was there. Like that was the image that they showed of those. But then I saw the other ones. They're like suede, but. Which other ones? What, 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 well, on one of the, like one of the websites, I was just perusing. And oh, they, okay. they look more like you know they look more palatable, but still not eight hundred dollars worth. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's completely understandable. But what is worth an infinite amount of money? What is worth our love and resources? Are beautiful pets, people. Not only do we want to see what you're drinking this summer, we also want to see your beautiful pets, the ones that keep making you happy, the ones who have the coolest fur boots because their boots never go out of style or their wings. Tweet us a picture of your pets. Our Twitter handle again is HBP at, excuse me, our Twitter handle is at HBP. What's the Twitter handle, Carlo? At HBP4040. Sorry, everybody. Jordan's a little drunk today and he's eating his words. William, thanks to William. Makadoogle, I finally got it right after five tries. When you send us a picture of your pet, of your beautiful pet, send, uh, use the hashtag HBPets. And our pets always miss us when we leave, and someone is leaving the podcast, and we're going to miss them very, very much. Yeah, it's not indefinite. It's only I'm going on vacation. <laughs> like, my God, he said it, he made it sound like I'm just like I'm gone, but I'm going on vacation for a few weeks. So, um, yeah, the Carlos, the Carlo is ta- is doing the Jeff Bezos and he's leaving this world. He's like, goodbye. Yeah, I'm humans. going away for a while because I need to recharge. <laughs> Life has been a very exhausting endeavor over the past uh, year plus with the pandemic and everything else. And now that I am uh, able to fly and, you know, go to certain places that we to were not able to, to, I am going to take that up. So aloha but- everybody. Yeah, so we are going to wish you bon voyage, uh, have fun wherever you go with on the Jeff Bezos Blue Origin spaceship. But the penis ship? we will, huh? The penis ship? That ship looked like a penis. Like no, seriously, sure everyone, it the, looks the like Evil, a big. Ups- the, the Doctor Evil joke about the end of at the end of Austin Powers. Yeah, that was the best. It looks like a phallus, mm-hmm. straight up. Yeah. Wang, are you are you paying attention? Anyways, so DeCarlo is going to go away for a while to uh, check out life on Venus, life on Mars, wherever he's going to go to decompress. He's going to come back, but we will still have uh, new episodes coming out on a weekly basis, and uh, DeCarlo will come right back. He'll slide right in, and we'll keep wow. going to where we need to go. So right. you'll be missed. Take it away, my friend. Alrighty, and with that, we want to wrap it up and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a view. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040. See, I got that one right, right? (laughs) Our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Peace.